Hey, a quick note about today's episode. Uh, this is a throwback episode from when the idea for this podcast first came about. I was supposed to watch a movie and a TV show with my friends and just chit and chat about that nonsense, but the world got away from me. These episodes were recorded back in April of 2020. Uh, things are a bit different now. The podcast has changed ever so slightly. And if you've made it this far, I think you enjoy it. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. See you next time. And we're uh, we're recording. Okay, right. there we go. Uh, welcome back. We're doing another episode of Catching Up, where I, Dwayne Duke, um, catch up on pop culture that I missed from the last decade or so of being on the road. Uh, today, my guest is Charlie McMullen. Couldn't be couldn't be happier to be part of this, man. How's it going? It looks it looks warm there. Uh, you think so? It's it's actually really it's just cold enough to make you uncomfortable. Uh, it's not so cold that you got to do something about it, but it's just enough to piss you off. It snowed for four days here. Um, are you are you still in Cleveland? Yeah, I'm sheltering in Cleveland at the moment. So that I, happened. I'm, not, to I'm me. not saying it couldn't be worse. <laughs> I'm sure it could be. Uh, but I went for a run this morning, and it was you know it was bearable. It was like high 40s. It's too crowded to go for runs here. It's terrifying. Oh, I I just went in my neighborhood. I didn't go any. I didn't go to like a track or anything. Uh, just ran in my neighborhood around the block. I was the only one out. It was pretty nice. I live I live in a horrible neighborhood. I didn't like going outside before this quarantine. I've never <laughs> felt safer. <laughs> All right. So this week we are talking about uh, two great sh- uh, a movie, uh, Office Space, and a TV show, The Newsroom. Um, let's just I guess let's jump into the Office Space because. I literally just finished it. Um, I was we were supposed to do a different movie, but I could not find it anywhere for free, and I'm uh, I'm only sunk sinking so much money into this project. Right. Um, but yeah, Office Space directed, written, directed, and produced by Mike Judge. Um, you want to give us a quick synopsis of? Uh... Uh, Mike Judge. Uh, most people know him from uh, Beavis and Butthead and uh, King of the Hill. Uh, Mike Judge was a huge inspiration to me when this came out. This movie came out in February of 1999. I was uh, 20 years old. Uh, I, I saw this movie. There, there's a credit at the end that Mike Judge has since put in a lot of his movies where uh, there's just one line after all the credits that says this movie was edited completely on a computer. <laughs> and he did that because this was in 99 when people like the digital revolution of filmmaking was starting to kick up where everybody was able to make a feature length movie with just their camera and their computer. And uh, Mike Judge would put that in there as a way to like get people to do it without, you know, a studio or a budget or anything. I yeah. was one of those people. Uh, that was in 99, but a year later I was in film school having uh, just finished my first script. And uh, I credit Mike Judge with a lot of that. Nice. All right, so uh, a quick rundown of Office Space for anyone who hasn't seen this movie and has decades it's uh the plot is uh well uh it's about a corporation called Inatech, which is just a data entry conglomerate and uh word gets around the office that efficiency experts are going to be coming in and interviewing everyone about their jobs and uh, there's going to be layoffs and one guy who really like not aggressively hates his job but is really just depressed about his job like everything associated with office culture uh gets two other guys who are uh, in line to be laid off to uh, 
rip the company off for millions of dollars with a computer virus. It does not work. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to spoil it for people who, who haven't seen so it. It's been two decades. <laughs> it has. It's been a long time. So if you haven't seen it, you, you really should get on shit like that. Um, he, uh, the main character, whose name is uh, Peter Gibbons, tries to get the money back. And uh, all evidence of the crime is wiped out because of one employee named Milton who was just disgruntled and moved around the building so often that uh, he threatened to set the building on fire. Nobody took him seriously, but he actually did it. Uh, and the last last scene of the movie is Milton uh, never having to work again in an island resort, having found the found the money that uh, Peter tried to return. It's it, it's it's a beautiful movie. Like it's full of actors that I really like. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Root as Milton uh, is perfect fantastic. He's one, he's one of my favorite actors because he just, anytime there's like a weird character that just has to be flamboyant in a non-threatening way, they call Stephen Root. Yeah, I mean, he, he's Jimmy James from News Radio. He's Bill Daltrey from King of the Hill. Right, he was the, uh, he was the uh, DJ in Old Brother Where Thou. Yeah, I have man, I, mean, I have not seen all of that. I've seen most of it, uh, but like the Comedy Central edit. Yeah, which is funny for different reasons. Yeah, uh, Lord. I remember watching. Uh, I watched The Big Lebowski on Comedy Central once, and it had John Goodman screaming, "This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps," and the line in the movie is, "This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass." I will watch movies on TV just for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, some, there's a podcast I was listening to, and they they're talking about how on Good Son, Mike uh, Macaulay Culkin has a line like "Don't fuck with me" or "You or you fucked with me," uh, but they right. didn't get someone to dub that one line, so it's just an adult and like deep voice saying, "This is what happens when you French with me." <laughs> I don't think that's what happens when you French with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I mean, you probably die. I mean, a lot of things will happen. Probably not that. Uh, also, in the movie, uh, playing the uh, like the worst, just douchiest boss in modern cinema history is Gary Cole as Bill Lumberg. Yeah. Uh, Gary Cole played uh, played the dad in the in the Brady Bunch movies, uh, and he voiced uh, Harvey Birdman, Attorney of Law, which is an Adult Swim show that I like a lot. Uh, Gary Cole, he, like he he does a ton of voices on Family Guy too. Like Gary Cole, uh, he's he's just a character actor that I that I really like. Like uh, he was in Pineapple Express too. Like he pops up small parts in a ton of movies. Uh, those kinds of actors are my favorite ones. Yeah, like uh, like character actors like uh, like Margot Martindale or like uh... exactly. Dave Herman was in Office Space. Yeah, uh, he was that's a guy who mostly just does voiceover. Like that's, that's how I know him. He played Roberto the Stabbing Robot on Futurama. Uh, and he, he plays Michael Bolton in Office Space. Yeah. Oh, that? Uh, wow. One of the best lines in Office Space is when, because uh, there's a character whose name is Michael Bolton and he hates Michael Bolton's music. Like uh, he says when he was 12, there was nothing wrong with that name until he was 12. Then that no talent ass clown started getting famous and winning Grammys. And his friend says, well, why don't you just go by Mike? And he says, why should I have to change? He's the one who sucks. Yeah. That, um, I, I use that, like, in real life probably three times a week on average. All right. Okay. I'll just say, why should I change? He's the one who sucks. Okay. So uh, what's your favorite part about Office Space? 
my favorite part about office space is like because when uh when they learn about the layoffs it doesn't go into like a fight the power kind of thing where they get in Lumberg space and everything it's just the moral of the story is to just like accept that most people don't like their jobs and uh if you can't find a job that you like then you know be happy anyway like it's a real simple moral but it's uh like as a 20 year old that was important for me to hear because i would go on to work in a lot of offices and find out all that shit is true and it's worse than it is in the movie oh yeah i uh when i finished college i i went on like two or three hundred interviews um and i think i landed two jobs in total and they were both dog shit one was selling uh cruises to people who won them at like county fairs and shit like that so people yeah, would call center so, yeah i i did like five calls i i maintain that if you like every call center i've ever worked in i think i think it was mildly illegal but like it was just like this close to being illegal right yeah like you were suspicious but not suspicious enough to jeopardize the job oh yeah um and each time i, worked, I was I, like i could quit i this probably thing. have a combined 15 years call center under my belt yikes everything about it reminds me of office space the fact that he has eight bosses and his only motivation to do a good job is to just not be hassled by eight different people right uh, i was in a call center once and um like i didn't know if they were listening in on our calls like i i sort of knew but i didn't know like when and then like this little douche novel He's like, did you just hang up on someone? And I was like, yeah, they stopped talking to me. And he goes, well, why didn't you go to the next part of the script? And I was like, because they stopped talking. <laughs> yeah, I've had to sit like across the desk from a supervisor and listen to calls. And like, I don't know, like in Office Space, they kind of touch on it. They probably could have expanded on this. But in the middle of the movie, um, Peter starts just like not caring about keeping the job. He uh, he goes to a hypnotist in the film and he wants the hypnotist to just like zonk him out so that after he gets home from work, instead of being depressed, he wants to think he's been fishing all day or something. Yeah. So uh, it was an occupational hypnotherapist that his friends give him shit for going with his girlfriend to. Yeah. And uh, so he gets him under hypnosis and then the uh, the doctor suffers a massive coronary and dies while he's still kind of zonked out. So he's uh, sort of in like a, like a dreamy state for the rest of the movie because the doctor died before he could, he could bring him out. But uh, I'm just going to, the lighting is gonna get weird. I'm just gonna get a lighter real quick. Um, a really good scene in the movie is when Peter has his interview with the efficiency experts because he like runs down everything he hates about office culture uh, and like it was so ahead of its time because a lot of that shit didn't even start happening until like the mid two thousands. But uh, like Peter's major point was that most offices are run in a way that motivates people to work just hard enough to not get fired. And uh, I don't know. And like, there's also commentary in it about like American values because like Peter and his friends talk about uh, what would you do if you had a million dollars? And uh the the one who's uh like the character who's not american is the only one who would use it wisely like uh he said he would give half of it to his friend who works in securities and half of it to his friend who works in mutual funds right this is the point of the exercise but uh i don't know because he asked Dieter Fader had the best line he's like 
if I had a million dollars, I'd do two chicks at once. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. Hell yeah, man. I figured I, I could hook that up if I was a millionaire. Deidre Bader is. is another actor who pops up everywhere. He, he plays Batman on the new Harley Quinn cartoon. Uh, he was on the Drew Carey show for like 20 years. Yeah, oh, uh, I know. I, I know the Drew Carey show very well. Yeah. He's on uh, American Housewife. Um, he, he was on Veep for a little bit. Yeah. That was, that was a surprisingly good role. He played, uh, he played Jethro in the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Like, he's been around forever, and he, he pops up in <laughs> random spots. Like, have, that, you've, um, look who I'm talking to. You probably have not seen the Harley Quinn cartoon on the... On the um, like, I've right, seen previews for it on Facebook, and I've thought, yeah. I've thought about seeing if any of my friends have a login um, so that I can watch it, because it does look interesting. It looks just interesting enough that I want to know what happens. I'm not interesting enough that I'm going to do any work to see what happens. Right. That's that's how I saw it too. I got a login from a friend of mine. I'm not going to get my own account. But Dietrich yeah. Bader as Batman is is worth watching that show. They uh they just released season two, and I only know that because the ad popped up and right. like, you get seven days free, and I was like, ugh, do I want seven days of this? Because I don't want anything else on the network. I know. Do you really want to burn another green dot card? Uh, I'm on, uh, someone gave me uh, their login for Disney Plus, and the only thing I've done is watch, Simps- is watch seasons of The Simpsons that I have on my um, hard drive. Right. I already have them downloaded. I could plug the hard drive in, but it's easier to watch it on, on the TV. It is. I'm, I've seen nothing on Disney Plus. I'm not ready for a new relationship <laughs> with the streaming service. Oh, you're not missing anything. Uh, plus, Disney. Disney's awful at the moment. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about enough on Office Space. Let's pivot over to the newsroom, a very different kind of Office Space. It's an Aaron Sorkin production. Um, Aaron Sorkin ha- is famous for the walking dogs. Uh, run us through uh, your relationship with the newsroom. Uh, the I discovered the newsroom at a time... Uh, actually in a call center when I was working for DirecTV. Uh, I got a hookup at home where uh, like they want you to watch everything so you can tell customers about it. So I was watching everything. And uh, like I was watching the pilot episodes of everything. And if any if any pilots grabbed me, I would then watch into the show. And the pilot for the newsroom, like just the first scene is one of my favorite scenes in all of television for like the past decade. Uh, first scene it, is so widely shared on Facebook. It um, is. The movie I saw earlier today was, oh God, we were just talking about, oh, The Matrix. And I was like, the first scene of the newsroom is another thing like The Matrix where it is so, it's so often quoted and it's so often like screen capped. And it sucks that they didn't show the whole, that you don't see the whole scene because in the whole scene, it, it plays out slightly different than him just right. losing his shit. It's it's yeah, like, like you can you can look it up on YouTube if you want, but watch the watch the full scene at the beginning of the episode because uh, the newsroom is about a uh, news anchor named Will McAvoy who, uh, up until this point, has sort of presented himself as a centrist, neither liberal nor conservative, so that uh, you know he can appeal to the widest audience he can. Uh, the it starts off with Will and two other pundits, one liberal, one conservative, talking to a Q&A at a college. And the moderator called him the Jay Leno of late night, saying he's popular because he doesn't bother anybody. Yeah. And uh, the uh, this college sophomore asks a question to all three people, <clears throat> what makes America the best country in the world? 
And uh, his answer, like he was, he just said the New York Jets because he wanted to avoid the question, but the moderator held him to an answer. And he looks up into the audience and this is sort of like never really confirmed in the episode. Uh, he thinks he sees an old friend of his holding up a sign that says it's not, but it can be. And just sort of getting lost in a memory, he answers the question saying it's not the best country in the world. And like, he just rattles off like so many weird, like accurate statistics saying uh, America is number one in three different categories, number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and number one in defense spending where uh, they spend more than the next 25 countries, or the next 26 countries combined, 25 of which are allies, which do not, do not require defense spending. And then after that, he uh, goes into sort of a monologue about the news, about how the key, <clears throat> the key to making America the best country in the world again is an informed electorate. And, uh, you know, from there, he just sort of plays it off as a, you know, as a, as a minor breakdown from vertigo medicine. But from that point, he, uh, gets a new producer, someone who he used to be engaged to, and uh, turns his cable news into like the ultimate news program in unbiased, unpandering, just like true news. And this was a good, like several years before Donald Trump started calling everything fake news. So this, this is another show that's, that was really ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, I... I usually try to decide if I'm going to watch, like, it was tough for me to watch the the second episode that we did, because uh, I was like, I really want to watch the whole series, but then after watching the second episode, um, I realized that, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have, like, a serial plot, so, like, it's serialized to an extent. Uh, right. Well, I, just... when, when the show originally came out, it would air on HBO, like, er, the events in the show were always, like, three months behind real time. Yeah. So uh, if there was like a big news story, uh, the newsroom will cover it like four months after it happens in the real world, uh, like after all the reporting in real time has been done. Uh, that's that probably sounds real confusing. But like like their episode about Occupy Wall Street was a good four months after Occupy Wall Street was in the news. Yeah, uh, that was that was kind of the whole point of the show is to take like not a current news story, but the last current news story and give different perspectives on it. Uh, and the second episode I said you should watch besides the pilot was uh, episode, episode seven, seven five, uh, five, one, the episode about getting Osama bin Laden. And this is a packed cast. Like Olivia Munn was in, was in this episode, right. Dev Patel. Um, Terry Crews. Terry Crews. That was a wild moment. Terry Crews, yeah. the bodyguard. Terry Crews, after Will McAvoy gets uh, death threats uh, throughout season one, uh, the note. The network requires him to have a bodyguard, and it's played by Terry Crews. Yeah, um, McAvoy trying. Like normally, I like to go like bit by bit through the episode, but like it's so Aaron Sorkin's like there's no like it's hard to like chop it up bit by bit because it's just one long walk and talk. Like right. his episodes could honestly be you know one long static chop. Aaron Sorkin is in love with TV production. Yeah, like I. Uh, because the newsroom is behind the scenes on the news, and uh, he did the show on ABC called Sports Night. Which is behind, from, the, uh, yeah. behind the scenes, yeah. I, I did see an episode of that, and I was a kid, and I was like, I don't really know what this is. It, it felt like it was supposed to be a comedy, but it wasn't funny. Yeah, uh, Sports Night was not a great show. I, like Because of that show, I almost didn't watch the newsroom. I was like, 
you know, not a fan of Aaron Sorkin, but after the newsroom, I, he, he was redeemed for me. Yeah. Like that's not often someone can make a, a terrible show that I don't like. And then years later, I'll find another show they do. Not only will I watch it, but enjoy it. That's very rare. Yeah. Um, normally I have pages and pages of notes, but I was pretty riveted from the first moment of episode one. So mm -hmm. I didn't really get to it. Uh, here's a little thing that I like to do with the series, with each new show. Um, try to figure out what happens between the two episodes that I watched uh, serialized. Uh, so normally I watch episodes seasons apart, but luckily today it was just a couple episodes. So I think I, I think I got a pretty down tight, um, the Maggie and Don storyline, which seems so ham-fisted. And then the Maggie and the love triangle between Maggie and Don and Jim, and Jim. And isn't Jim Harper the same guy from, uh, like it's the same name from the office. Uh, very close. It was Jim Halpert. Albert. All right. There were, yeah. Two actors that look real similar and played real similar characters with strikingly similar names. Yeah. It was just a real banner fucking year for, for naming characters. For white gyms. Uh, like, that. it was a yeah. good year for white gyms. They're killing it. Uh, Lord knows they haven't had enough. <laughs> Lord knows they need a little bit more. Um, white gyms and ties need a leg up, goddammit. Yeah. So I assume. I assume most of the season is just a back and forth between uh, Mac and Will's power struggle. Uh, I love um, Sam Watterson in this. Oh, yeah. Sam Watterson plays uh, Charlie Skinner, the president of the news division of the network. Uh, if you don't know who Sam Watterson is, he was uh, Jack McCoy on Law & Order for a billion years. He's, uh, he's an actor I really like. Uh, yeah, he's he, the dad in John Waters' serial mom. Like, he's been in a lot of random stuff. And he's always really good. And he was especially good in this because, uh, like, he, he was a bitter, like, his character is certainly bitter, but not cynical. I love the line, I was, I was a Marine, god damn it, I don't care how many push-ups you, how many power bars you need, I will beat <laughs> the, the pilot shit when he's yelling at Don. <laughs> such a good one. He's yelling at Don for going from Will's show to Elliot Hirsch's show. And... Like, imagine Sam Waterston yelling at a dude in his, in his late 20s, probably, saying, God damn it, Don, I will beat the shit out of you. I don't care how many power bars you ate today. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, Jane Fonda shows up in the, in the newsroom. Yeah. And, uh, as, like, the president of the whole network. Uh, like, I can't, I can't remember if... Uh, if Jane Fonda's character comes up between episode one and seven, or if it's just later, because the because the show only ran for like three seasons. Yeah, and it looks like it was very short seasons, like yeah, shorter than Veep. I think uh, I I think I'm going to add this to my list, uh, which makes it two. If anyone's keeping track, and I don't think they are, uh, if anyone's keeping track, it is two shows that I've uh, started watching on this on this for this that are both on HBO. Um, and I like them both. The other one is The Leftovers. Leftovers was nice. I watched uh, all of season one, uh, and like it was like a year and a half wait between season one and season two, so I just didn't catch up with season two, but Leftovers was another good HBO one. Yeah. That was uh, another one I had to watch for DirecTV. Who's your, uh, who's your favorite character on, on Newsnight? Uh, Charlie Skinner, probably. Um, but... Olivia Munn definitely gets like special mentioned because there's an episode pro uh, probably season three somewhere 
where uh, she has a guy on her show and just verbally castrates him about like celebrity culture and stalking and stuff. It's really good. Nice. Uh, so Olivia Munn's character was great, but Charlie Skinner is like, I wish that character was real so he could produce actual news. <laughs> like there was, there was a line in the pilot episode where he says, uh, or maybe it was the second episode where he, uh, he talks about the 18 to 25 demographic. He says, I don't think their fucking heads are going to explode if we don't hand her to them for one day, for one hour out of 24. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Um, I will say the only down thing to to the newsroom is it seems it is heavy-handed. They, it's uh, very heavy-handed, which is to be expected from Aaron's work. And but, I mean, like what I like about the newsroom is is the cast because you can see this in episode seven. Uh, Natalie Morales, uh, she plays the the girlfriend of one of the uh, Newsnight staffers. But she, if you don't know her, she was on the Santa Clarita diet as the le- uh, the lesbian sheriff's deputy. Uh, she, she was on, uh, like she, she's a TV actress. She just had her own show on NBC for a while. Uh, but she was really good. Her character, because once everyone got the news that Osama bin Laden is killed, different people react to that in different ways. Like you had three characters who were stuck on a plane. They gave the news to the pilot and they almost cried with joy. Uh, Terry Crews was allowed to, to be the first person to tell the two cops that were harassing him earlier. Uh, you know, and it brought them together. But uh, Natalie Morales' character, her father had died in 9-11. And uh, while everybody was celebrating, she was just stuck in this horrible memory. I totally thought that was, um, oh, what's her face? Rosario Dawson. Well, I thought that at first, too. I, I, I looked into it. Like, when, when the newsroom first came on, I was like, fucking A, Rosario Dawson, too? And then it wasn't. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> but Natalie Morales is also really good. Poor Natalie. I wonder how often she gets that. Because like, I, I was like, yeah, she yeah. Look like Natalie Morales, or not only does she look like Rosario Dawson, but her name is also the name of someone who hosts the Tonight Show, or not the uh, the Today Show. Oh God. Uh, like I think I think her her Twitter handle is not that Natalie Morales. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's 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 a really fun it's a really fun show. I I'm intrigued to go back and see things, especially because. All of the news stories they're covering, I was old enough to, like, I was an adult when all of them happened. Um, I remember, I remember where I was when we got, uh, when we got Bin Laden. I remember where I was when uh, the, the BP oil spill happened. Yep. And it was, I was uh, intrigued. And yeah, like, that, that episode, like, was an accurate reflection of when, uh, when the news hit that Bin Laden was killed. Because I remember in 2011 when that happened, I, like the news broke into whatever the fuck I was watching. Then I went on Facebook because I'm an idiot. And that's where I go for news confirmation is Facebook. Obviously. But I, I saw like the whole spectrum of emotion out of my friends. Cause you had some people who were always xenophobic and this just pushed them over the top. Like that's why you don't fuck with America stuff like that. <clears throat> then you had people condemning them for being chess beaters. And then you had people condemning them for being soft. Like it was, yeah, we uh we like to eat our own tail. We are not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's what I like about about the newsroom because not everybody reacted to stories the same way. And uh, even though it was heavy handed, like an Aaron Sorkin show, there were multiple heavy hands. Yeah, uh, I guess it, it's a little easier for me to enjoy it because most of the heavy hands are pointing or <laughs> headed in the direction that I that I typically lean. But right, it, you well, know. 
that's because we're we're part of the liberal entertainment complex. Oh, we were. We yeah. We, we were. That's gone. We're we are on that arm of the Illuminati now, Dwayne. Yeah. Oh, thank God. I was <laughs> so worried I wasn't going to get invited. Uh, right. Your, Don't worry about it. <laughs> who's your uh, who's who's your least favorite character on the newsroom? Uh, probably uh like Don Keeper, especially in season one. His character does get better as the show goes forward, but in season one, he's kind of a dick. Like he, uh, like he didn't like what Will said in the pilot. So uh, while he was on vacation, he just, uh, he quit his job and went to another show without finding a replacement. And uh, I didn't like the way he was with Maggie. Yeah. Uh, you know, Maggie wasn't perfect, but she definitely deserved better than him. Yeah, it it seems it seems like a real bad relationship. Like, like they they don't seem like they fit together, but it seems like they he needed to exist for Maggie's character to have any growth. Uh, I really like Maggie. I think I hope she gets better. Uh, as as the show started, she seemed pretty you know pretty shaky, but then she seemed like she was getting it together. Uh, uh, season two season two starts with a huge arc for for Maggie. Yeah, Mac uh, is good. I I like Mac. I'm not a fan of this uh, this Jim and Maggie will they won't they nonsense. But then again, I hate that in all shows. Yeah. Uh, and it's, well, it's one one thing that happens before episode seven, and I don't think they mention it here. Like just to give you something to look for is uh, you mentioned the power dynamic between Will and Mac. Yeah. Uh, like because they were previously in a relationship and now they work together, and Will is her boss, but uh. Mac accidentally sends an email that was intended just for Sloan to the entire company talking about how when she and Will were together, she had cheated on him, and that's why they broke up. He's not, uh, that had not come up. Yeah. Right. So then, like, the entire uh, staff knows about that. Like, that's, that's a really good episode. Yikes. Yeah, the, the stuff that's not the newsroom, it seems like it's almost two entirely different shows, the stuff that's in the newsroom, the stuff that's outside the newsroom. Right. Uh, but yeah, that was that was Don's character. He was king of the B story. <laughs> All right. So, what do you uh, what are you binging these days? What are you working on? What are you watching? Uh, tonight is the last episode of Better Call Saul. I've been binging that like up like to coincide with tonight, uh, so I can get to the finale? end of that. It might be the series finale uh, because of the Corona pandemic. You don't know how many shows are going to be are going to be dropped for logistical purposes. That might be one of them. I think well, this also, might be the end because Breaking Bad lasted for five years, and this is the end of Better Call Saul's fifth year. Breaking uh, Bad was that, only on for five years. That show, yeah. I swear, I heard about that shit for, like, well, I guess I was in college ten years ago, and then it was on for five years, and it has been five from that. Uh, I had to watch a pilot episode of that in um, in one of my screenwriting classes, and the only thought I had was. God, this is depressing. Like, this is what I was like. This isn't a like. This show can't fly in other countries because there's no way that you're gonna tell me, uh, you know, a, an educator has cancer and instead of be, instead of getting help, he has to make math. Right. That well, I mean, Break, Breaking Bad was like I really liked that show. It it, it was a good show, but the vil, like the villains had to be ultra villains like you had to keep going from bad people to worse people better call Saul uh in watching that from beginning to end uh it, it just 
I don't know, the characters are, are just more real and like not every episode has to be pulse pounder like it was in Breaking Bad. All right. uh, so that's that's what I'm watching. I just and I also finished uh Bojack Horseman last month. Oh, I haven't finished the second half of the of the last season. That's a fantastic show though. Uh, it started to get too depressing and I was like, I this isn't why I come here. Speaking of Aaron Paul, like <laughs> Aaron Paul's <laughs> character Breaking Bad is my second favorite of his. Bojack Horseman's house guest being the first. Uh, uh, from that show. Uh, what's his name? Um, Todd Chavez. Yeah, Todd. All right. Uh, where can people find you? Where, where are you at on the internet? Uh, my first name is spelled C-H-A-R-L-E-Y. Uh, knowing that will will help you find me. Uh, <laughs> I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I don't have my own YouTube channel, but I'm on YouTube a lot. Uh, using that spelling, you can find me. All right. And I am at, on Twitter. I'm Life's Party on Instagram. You've, if you can find this, you've already found me. Uh, this is on my YouTube channel and soon to be a podcast coming to you wherever you are. Uh, like, subscribe, send me dirty emails. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to do this yet. There's, there's no sponsor. So like, I have nowhere to cut you. Uh, but I'm doing Duke and we'll, we'll catch up with you guys <laughs> next time. Legal marijuana. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Please review, subscribe, and share this podcast with all of your friends. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Life's a Party and on Instagram at Funny Dwayne. Drop me a line with your thoughts, questions, and concerns. The email is producer.dwayne at gmail.com.